Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. New concerns about BC's biggest wildfire. We are asking tourists to avoid travel to certain parts of the interior region. Where visitors are being asked to clear out and to check on residents fleeing other communities as the flames advance. Extreme heat warning. Like I thought there was a fire next door. The perfect storm creating terrible air quality on the south coast. And the Fed's new COVID vaccine mandate. It is both our opportunity, but also our duty to lead by example. Federal employees and others told to get the shot or else with a big overnight jump in cases. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. We begin with breaking wildfire news and an urgent warning from the province about a significant weather event that could amplify an already scorching wildfire season. More on that in a moment, but it's not hard to see the concern. We have 272 active wildfires burning in B.C. right now. 16 of those are fires of note in the Kamloops Fire Center alone. There's even greater concern about the White Rock Lake fire now, estimated at 58,000 hectares. That's 560 square kilometers. And the threat it continues to pose to surrounding communities. The highest priority fire in B.C. right now is the White Rock Lake fire burning west of Vernon. And with strong winds in the forecast this weekend, the province is warning tourists to avoid a huge area in the North Okanagan as residents prepare for the worst. Aaron MacArthur reports. In Falkland, homeowners doing what they can in case the White Rock Lake fire gets any closer. The community has been through one round of evacuations already. People dreading another call in the middle of the night. We've never really run into a situation this close. The fire situation is dire and the forecast is calling for worse to come. The weather over the weekend expected to bring high winds along with extreme temperatures. In order to prepare for the potential of mass evacuations, the public safety minister is urging tourists to stay away from the north-central Okanagan. From Armstrong to Enderby and Spalamachine, tourists are being urged to change their plans. If you are thinking of visiting there, don't. If you are uh, a tourist in that area, to leave uh, now. We also want to make sure that evacuees have a safe place to stay if they're forced from their homes, preferably in the region where they usually reside. Space is already at a premium. Tourists making it harder for people to find shelter from the orders. The services we have here are pretty booked up with uh, emergency people and there's a lot of people on emergency alerts right now. So um, wait a week and come next week when things hopefully will be cooled down a little bit. In Logan Lake, the Tremont Creek fire burning just a few kilometers from town. Friday, the community all but abandoned. The only things moving, fire trucks and sprinklers. We managed to run into someone on our way up who was uh, extremely upset, 
told us how important his home was to him. It's very humbling to hear that from someone and we're, we're up here to help those people and you know what, help protect their homes. At this point, the travel advisories are voluntary, leaving many in the region to wonder why a stronger mandate wasn't issued in the face of a potential crisis in the days to come. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. Record-setting heat is engulfing much of B.C. right now, and that, coupled with all that wildfire smoke, is sending air quality plummeting across the province. Jordan Armstrong is in Chilliwack right now, where the air quality has been at a 10-plus for two days now, and that is dangerous, Jordan. Chris, these N95 respirators we've gotten used to seeing during the pandemic are coming in handy for another reason. The smoke, particularly in the eastern Fraser Valley, is very thick, and folks on the Lower Mainland are getting a taste of the conditions people in the interior have been living with for weeks. Not so great today, so if you can stay inside, definitely do that. Choked by smoke. And all I got was this mouthful of, of, like, I thought there was a fire next door. For many, it's almost unbearable. Hard to believe that it just comes in overnight like this. Unbreathable. My nose is stuffed up. Smoke from interior and Washington fires spread further west on Friday. It's tough to make out the Lionsgate Bridge from the Cypress Lookout. We do anticipate that tomorrow we may see an improvement in air quality. That being said, there is significant amounts of smoke in the region, so it will take time for it to clear. Air like this, especially uncomfortable for people with lung conditions like asthma and COPD. They might see uh, flaring up of all their symptoms and may require more medications than as usual. Chilliwack, the city famous for corn, is now in its second day of off-the-charts bad air. I smell it a bit, but it's, um, you know, I'm going to push through. I don't feel like wearing a mask anymore. At Chilliwack Airport, no fly, just pie. The terminal cafe is open, but the runway is closed to everything except firefighting aircraft. With the smoke, you can't see other traffic in the circuit or uh, approaching the airport. So uh, it precludes a lot of flights in and out of Chilliwack during the smoke. You know it's bad when even the sun looks angry. Back here at Chilliwack Airport, it's not just general aviation traffic that's grounded. The manager says it's too smoky for medevacs to land here. So patients face a longer journey to hospital via ground ambulance. Chris? All right, troubling for sure. Thanks very much, Jordan. Meteorologist Devon Shell joins us now with more on the heat and how long these conditions could linger. Another day of records, it looks like, Yvonne. Yeah, more temperature records falling today, uh, day two, and the heat wave is going to continue. We're going to still see numbers soaring for tomorrow. Lillooette tying an old record at 38.2. It's one of the hot spots. Whistler at 36.8. Squamish included within that. Prince George into the low 30s. Even Seashelt and areas near Vancouver now. This is a preliminary and unofficial number, but looks like it's record-breaking. 28.9 or old record 2010 was 27.6. So uh, with heat warning is going to continue as we get in towards Sundays. It's really the overnight lows 15 to 20 degrees and our daytime highs anywhere between 30 and pushing 40 degrees in towards the interior. So still another hot one for tomorrow. Smoky skies bulletin that's blanketing the province. But in our smoke forecast, we'll have that coming up very shortly. Bit of a reprieve is on the way and we're tracking a frontal system that could give us a much needed um, wet weather. Chris? Okay. Haven't said that in a while, Rain. No, that's right. We'll take whatever we can get at this point. Thanks very much, Yvonne. Until then, BC's hot temperatures are also prompting a flood warning on the Bridge River. How's that possible without rain? Well, 
The warning applies above Downton Lake and includes Bridge River Delta Provincial Park north of Pemberton. Temperatures reaching 37 degrees are causing glaciers to melt at an alarming rate. The Bridge River is flowing at a rate we only see every 20 to 50 years. That flow is expected to drop over the weekend and into next week. Vancouver police are reminding summer revelers that open alcohol in public places is not allowed. Police say reduced capacity at pubs and hot weather are likely pushing more people outdoors and many are disobeying public drinking rules. Officers in the Granville Entertainment District report a 600% increase in open liquor pour-outs since June and an 84% increase since 2019. Downtown beaches have also seen a spike in rule breakers and reports of violent incidents have gone up as well. We know that there are certain areas in the city that you can drink. Um, and so we are seeing that people might be thinking that that means they can drink anywhere in the city, which is in fact wrong. Um, there are designated spots, designated sanctioned spots set out by the city of Vancouver that people are allowed to drink between a certain time. Cutoff is 9 p.m. So there is a bit of misinformation. Uh, we're assuming that people are now thinking this is a free-for-all when in fact it isn't. Police say they'll continue to patrol areas of concern and issue tickets to anyone who breaks the rules. Ottawa is moving to make COVID vaccinations mandatory for federal public service workers. All public sector employees will have to be vaccinated against COVID-19 by the end of October or risk losing their jobs. The mandate is expected to be implemented across all Crown corporations and federally regulated businesses, including the transportation sector. That means airline and transportation workers and all commercial air, interprovincial train and cruise ship passengers will need to show proof of vaccination too. The government of Canada has a large workforce and a large reach to help in the fight against COVID-19. It is both our opportunity but also our duty to lead by example. Vaccine requirements in the transportation sector will help protect the safety of employees, their families, passengers, their communities, and all Canadians. And more broadly, it will hasten Canada's recovery from the COVID-19 pandemic. And of course, they say accommodations for people who are legitimately unable to be vaccinated will be made. UBC's president is throwing his support behind calls for a mandatory mask policy for staff and students when classes resume next month. Santa Ono took to Twitter today sharing the news after some officials resisted the idea, even after calls from teachers. Earlier this week, the UBC Faculty Association wrote a letter calling for a mask mandate and requiring students and staff to be vaccinated before returning to campus. The student union also made similar requests, and today President Ono acknowledged their concerns in a Twitter video. First, I believe that instituting both will be critical to allow us to start the term with the confidence of our community. Second, just as the provincial health officer has mandated vaccination for all working in long-term care facilities, I think that we should do the same. Here's a look at the COVID-19 numbers for BC, and the new case number is spiking again. We have 717 new cases and 4,277 active cases.
82 people are in hospital. 39 of those patients are in the ICU. Thankfully, though, we have no new deaths to report. And we now have 70% of people 12 and older fully vaccinated in BC. Keith Baldry joins us now uh, live with more on the jump in the new cases and the ongoing push for vaccinations, Keith. Mm -hmm. Yeah, vaccine mandates. Get used to hearing that over and over again. There's a real push to have those in all sorts of sectors and establishments. And of course, uh, Ontario today announcing that everyone in the healthcare system in Ontario will have to be fully vaccinated uh, by early fall. Today, uh, Health Minister Adrian Dix appeared on our morning news and dropped broad hints. We want to see 100% vaccination rates in healthcare as well. And we can't be forcing people to be immunized, but there are implications for people not being able to do certain things, even even in healthcare, if you're not vaccinated, here's Adrian Dix. In, in terms of healthcare, we're, we're, we want we want and expect 100% vaccination. Right now, across the province, we're at about 82.4%, uh, which is really good by the center of any jurisdiction in the world. One of the highest levels of vaccination, and we got to keep pushing that number higher in the general population as well. But look, let's let's be clear: people do have the right not to be vaccinated. You have that right. But that doesn't mean they can do everything that they want to do and not be vaccinated. There will be uh, limits. So it seems clear that more vaccine mandates are coming, Chris, probably in the public sector in B.C., obviously also in, in some public sector or private sector establishments as well. The reason is because vaccines work. Every day we're posting big numbers, 717 cases today. 95 to 98 percent of those cases are people who are not vaccinated with even one dose. And again, it's affecting people in their 20s and 30s primarily or even younger than that. I just crunched the numbers again for the second or third consecutive day, about two thirds to three quarters of the cases every day are in young people who are not vaccinated. And until that, those numbers change, uh, you're not going to see a government shy away from vaccine mandates. They're coming. And we're going to keep repeating it, too, until we get as many people as possible yep. vaccinated. Thanks very much, Keith. Ferries have been leaving the mainland for Vancouver Island, packed with people trying to escape the heat and the smoke here. But those who didn't book in advance might be surprised to find that accommodation is at a premium. As Kylie Stanton tells us, those in the hard-hit tourism business say it's a sign things are starting to bounce back. Cabaret, please. They're coming from all over. We're from Calgary, Alberta. Edmonton. We're from uh, Cloverdale. Here to celebrate. Oh, it's our anniversary. Taking the sights. We love it. It's yeah. been great. And for some, escape the smoke. Some plans got switched around with the fires and everything, so we were lucky. But the one thing these tourists have in common is needing a place to stay. And given the sheer volume of people making their way to Victoria, that's proving to be difficult. Did you have a hard time finding a spot? Yeah, uh, yeah very hard. Yeah. We couldn't find a place near downtown for under like $500. When searching the popular website Expedia for accommodations this upcoming weekend, there are currently only two hotels with availability. One being the Empress, at a discounted rate of nearly $600 a night. The rest are all coming up as completely sold out. It's strong for the summer, that's good news, but it also is a long time coming since we've seen 18 months of losses. But also playing a role is the massive workforce shortage, preventing hotels from operating at max capacity. We have hotels all over the province that have had to cap their occupancy and not sell their rooms because they don't have anybody to clean them. There's extreme concern from owners and operators and employees alike 
that we just simply uh, are not able to maximize what this summer could have been. Hotels in Victoria are at about 60% occupancy. And while it's a step in the right direction, there's still a long way to go. Because we don't have our American visitors yet, they're just starting to trickle back in. We're so grateful for Canadian guests, but we need to have a mix of different source markets in, in order for true profitability to return. In the meantime, businesses here are capitalizing on the traffic. Well, it's very important. It keeps our family fed. So it's really great that the doors are opening now and hopefully we can keep it open. If that's the case, it's probably best to plan ahead. We booked well in advance. Kelly Stanton, Global News, Victoria. It was Canada's longest war. 40,000 Canadian service, uh, Canadian forces members served in Afghanistan and more than 150 of them never came home. The locals who helped us over there are in peril with the Taliban quickly advancing and the effort to help bring them to safety is next on the news hour. Even after two full doses, one small and specific group of people is showing no immune response to the vaccine. What's happening coming up on the news hour? And fresh roots teaching teenagers how to eat better for themselves and for the planet later. Right now, though, Canada is opening up its doors to refugees from Afghanistan. Up to 20,000 people will be welcomed as the Taliban sweeps the country, threatening women, human rights defenders, LGBTQ members, and anyone who helped Canadian troops as translators and local fixers. As Paul Johnson reports, veterans of the war in Afghanistan say time is of the essence. Our interpreter, Khan, he was um, a very, very brave man. Trevor Street is a veteran of Canada's Afghanistan campaign. Like most who served in Kandahar, its recent takeover by the Taliban came as no surprise. What's got him, though, is the fate of interpreters like Khan and whether Ottawa can come through for them in time. In my view, they absolutely need to get their acts together and apply themselves to this. They were known as the Taji men, and there were hundreds of them during the years when Canadians fought to secure Kandahar province. Locally hired men who worked as interpreters and cultural advisors. Afghanistan veteran Tim Laidler told us how he came to view them. We definitely see them as, as colleagues. They often wore Canadian forces uniforms alongside us when they were in danger outside the wire. Uh, we'd see them as allies and, and spending, you know, eight months with many of them. I see them as brothers. We are taking real action to resettle the brave Afghans who were instrumental to our mission in, in Afghanistan. Defence Minister Hajit Sajjan skipped a campaign-style event in Burnaby Friday to update Canadians on the work underway to protect embassy staff in Kabul and to identify and evacuate more of the interpreters and their families who are still there. A number of military and chartered flights have already brought some to Canada and more are planned. But get them out of there because these people do not have the time um, for the wheels of bureaucracy to keep turning. While Ottawa announced Friday it intends to accept 20,000 vulnerable Afghan refugees, veterans like Street and Laidler worry the clock may be running out for the remaining interpreters. Street's friend Khan never even made it through Canada's deployment there. Deliberately targeted, he was unarmed, and um, the Taliban don't care. And they'll do it again. Paul Johnson, Global News. Up next, who's telling the truth in a new debate about Surrey policing? Both sides offer up their own version 
of what it will really take to establish a new local police force. And in the battle to protect old growth forests, a victory of sorts for protesters trying to stop logging. Here at the Arthur Lang Bridge, there was a stall southbound at the north end in the right lane. It may be gone, but volume's still there. Also a crash on Granville Street in Vancouver, southbound at 57th Avenue. That one's in the right lane. Welcome to the electric future. Be among the first to reserve the all-new 2022 Bolt EUV or redesigned 2022 Bolt EV. Request your reservation today. Visit chevroletoffers.ca. In the Global Traffic Center, I'm Tim May. The special stories that shape our province, as suggested by our viewers. This is BC with Jay Durant. Real people, real stories on Global News Hour at 6. Brought to you in part by Fortis BC, BC's energy solutions provider. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Around three o'clock, police found him in medical distress and he died at the scene. Independent witnesses told investigators they saw Guianis with self-inflicted wounds. And based on that evidence, the IIO concludes officers played no part in the gangster's death. Lawyers for Meng Wanzhou began their presentation at her formal extradition hearing, arguing the case against the Huawei CFO is fatally flawed. After more than two years of preliminary hearings, the actual extradition case got underway earlier this week with government lawyers arguing this case is like any other extradition and all the legal requirements have been met. Meng is accused of misrepresenting Huawei's control over Skycom, a company that sold computer equipment in Iran, which allegedly breached U.S. sanctions. She was arrested at YVR in December 2018 at the request of the U.S. government. The extradition proceedings are scheduled to wrap up next Friday, and the judge is expected to reserve her decision. Remember the relief you felt when you got your second dose of a COVID-19 vaccine? Maybe a renewed sense of freedom? Well, there is still a very small and very specific group of double-vaxxed recipients finding out their bodies are responding like they didn't get any shots at all. Global's Karen Lieberman shows us what's happening. Even though I've had two doses of Pfizer, I am essentially unvaccinated. Double lung transplant recipient Derek Clark had high hopes for the COVID-19 vaccine. We first met him and lung and kidney transplant recipient Sarah Murray in the spring. Each was pushing for an accelerated second dose. We deserve to have this protection. We deserve to have a life like everybody else. Soon after, Ontario approved a tightened timeline. But for Clark, the relief was short-lived. The rest of Canada is essentially, you know, in stage three. We have to really operate like we're still back in stage one. Here's why. Clark had an antibody test done and the results are disappointing. No antibodies after two shots, which means... When we look at transplant patients, they get a significantly lower response. Maybe only about 18 to 50% of patients will get uh, a kind of same antibody response as the general population. Murray fared no better than Clark. I had no antibodies. I had 0.41 units per milliliter, which 
works out to nothing. It means I have no protection against COVID. This is Murray's antibody test compared with her husband's, a healthy non-immunocompromised individual. He has protection against the virus and she does not. Experts say this is why a third dose may be necessary, especially faced with the Delta variant. What we found in our study was that we had a number of people who were exactly like this, but less than 0.4, who then became positive after the third dose of vaccine. So I think, you know, I think that gives a glimmer of hope. This week, the FDA in the U.S. authorized additional vaccines for certain immunocompromised people. But in Canada, the National Advisory Committee on Immunization is monitoring emerging evidence, noting increased levels of antibodies may be encouraging, but there is no confirmed immunological correlate of protection against COVID-19. People are going to restaurants and patios and, and gathering in larger amounts of people. I can't partake in any of that. I can't go to you know, a concert or a wedding or a sporting event indoors. It's simply not safe for me to do so. And, and so even though I... Just ahead, a classroom that looks a lot more like a garden. How Fresh Roots is feeding curiosity and building confidence as well. Also tonight, elite athletes share what calms them right before it's go time. Here's the Wines of BC question of the day. Many well-known grapes flourish in BC wine country. Of the grapes planted, 51% are red. What is BC's most planted red grape? A. Pinot Noir B. Merlot C. Cabernet Sauvignon D. Cabernet Franc We'll be right back with the answer. The answer to today's Wines of BC question is B. Merlot The BC sun makes Merlot with more tannin and structure than most regions of the world. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. Well, we already know we set or equaled some records in the province, and now we're really worried about wind, especially in the interior with those wildfires. Here's Yvonne Schell in for Christy tonight with the latest. Yes, and I'll have the fire danger rating in just a moment, but it's widespread smoke right across the board for Metro Vancouver, the south coast, and stretching in towards the interior. And temperatures still sitting at 27 degrees. We're not going to see much of a reprieve with our overnight lows ranging between 15 and 20 degrees. Here's the air quality health index. We're sitting at very high right across the board. We'll slightly start to improve, though, as we get in towards the evening hours. But the smoky skies bulletin that's blanketing the province will continue to affect all areas over the next 24 and 48 hours. So those with respiratory issues, if possible, try and limit the amount of time spent outdoors. Now, our smoke forecast is indicating that we could see a bit of a reprieve. The smoke easing off, localized, especially through the day, but still hazy for all areas across the south coast. It'll still be very thick, though, for the interior leading into the latter half of the weekend. Temperature is the big weather story. We've had record-breaking heat. It'll be improving as we get in towards the, the, our Sunday, rather. For tomorrow, though, we're still with the Humidex going to be feeling closer to 37 degrees, and the interior will still see temperatures pushing closer to 40 degrees. And it's that overnight low that'll keep us to have that heat warning leading in towards our Sunday. The fire danger rating has ramped up. Hot and dry conditions, we were sitting at high to extreme, so please be very diligent. We will see that over the weekend. Now, this is the frontal system that we're keeping a close eye on. It is going to brush the northern 
half of the province. But all areas across the south coast will see an increase in cloud cover late day Sunday with a slight chance for an isolated shower. Not much in terms of precipitation and that takes us in towards our Monday morning and temperatures will be back into the low 20s. So a a reprieve is on the way. Now the northern half of the province is where we'll see rain. It'll be heavy at times towards the evening along the coast. Hot and hazy with widespread smoke for the southern interior. Temperatures into the mid and upper 30s. Along the south coast, humidex tomorrow heads up 37. Chance for some showers. The best chance will be as we get in towards our Monday. Tonight's weather window, Perseid meteor shower. This was captured last night. Great shot. Bridge Creek taken by Jen. Chris. Miss those clear skies right now. I'll tell you what a beautiful shot. Thanks very much, Yvonne. At the recent Tokyo Olympic Games, a diver made headlines around the world, not just for his gold medal performance, but right before that, how he prepared to face the pressure. Now, some might picture intense training or loud music, but it turns out many elite athletes need just the opposite. This morning, I made a little cozy. Diver Tom Daly is unraveling stereotypes about athletes. The one thing that has kept me, like, sane throughout this whole process is my love for knitting and crochet and all things stitching. With needles in hand in the Olympic stands, the British double medalist turned heads with his poolside pastime. It doesn't seem like a typical athlete endeavour, but it's a pattern a former NHLer reads perfectly. Like sands through the hourglass... So are the days of our lives. Before stepping onto the ice and into his role as enforcer, Georges Larocque had a pregame routine that began with daytime drama. And I watched it for years. You know, I'm sorry for laughing, but you're embarrassing yourself. Because the job that I had, obviously, was so much pressure with it. And that was a way, a routine that I had that my body kind of knew it was the time to relax and take a nap after that. When you've prepped all week for a game, you sort of want to get your mind off it. So, former CFL safety Trent Brown kicked off a new custom. We started a ritual to hacky sack with the football. Got a lot of scrutiny from the coaches because they would look out there and say, what are these guys doing? That's got nothing to do with football. But then this famous Grey Cup moment. Going up top for Eddie Brown. What a catch, Eddie Brown. I'll never forget he comes running down the sideline. He high fives me. He gives me a big hug and he goes, Brownie, you can play hacky sack whenever you want. I've been wearing the same underwear since Tuesday. I can vouch for that. When I was competing, I always wanted to watch uh, uh, something that was funny. This classic comedy was the ticket for an Olympic high jumper turned mental performance consultant. Each athlete's different, so there's not a one size fits all. Um, There's also like you're balancing like your arousal um, level. So whether you're too fired up or um, trying to and trying to stay calm or whether you need to pump yourself up a little bit more. Whatever things that you found. As unusual that it may be, if it works for you, it calms you down, it puts you in a minor state, then you could after that perform to do your highest. Stay with it. Because however unexpected, those habits supporting a solid state of mind are key in a winning game plan. Jennifer Crosby, Global News. Wonder what the BC Lions were doing last night prior to their game. Barry's in now with a look ahead to sports. My guess is watching reruns of the news hour. Very calm. Why not? Why not? Yeah. What a game last night. Thanks, Chris. I'm guessing Mike Riley's right elbow is a bit sore today, but that pain was the Lions' gain last night in their win versus the Stamps. It certainly was a confidence boost that it like, okay, I don't need to worry about this anymore. I just need to throw the ball. Of course, he wasn't even supposed to start, but he lasted the entire game and played very well.
Also tonight, farmers in training, how these teens are growing a lot more than vegetables. The home crowd at McMahon Stadium in Calgary, uh, well, they got a, a lesson taught to them by the Lions. Right. Very... It's too bad there weren't more there to watch uh, yeah. Riley do his stuff. Thanks, Chris. The Lions uh, got a surprise lift from Mike Riley's ailing elbow and a big helping hand from the defense as they won for the first time this young CFL season last night in Calgary. It uh, wasn't pretty, but the Lions' heart took over as they wait for the skills and execution to catch up. It's going to be a game-time decision starting this week. Yes, it surprised everyone that Michael Riley started the game in Calgary, but as the Lions said all along, it was a fluid situation. So when Riley's elbow felt loose and ready to go after warm-ups, there was no doubt who was going in. We were able to get it uh, tonight, pre-game, where we were thinking we were going to be able to get it last week. Um, you know, that was the expectation last week, and it, for whatever reason, just didn't respond how we thought it was going to, but tonight it did. We prepped the other way, then Mike uh, became available and, uh, um, you know, showed in warm-ups that he could control the ball and throw effectively, and so that's why we're going to use him. We're going to use him whenever he's, he's available. For a guy who really didn't take any reps all week, Riley looked sharp. He completed nearly 80% of his passes and threw for 342 yards, including a 61-yard bomb to Brian Burnham that was a big confidence booster. It was one of those things where I just didn't really think about it, and I threw it. But, but that being said, when it came out how it did, and I was able to put it exactly where I wanted it to versus last week, not being able to do that. Um, it certainly was a confidence boost that it like, okay, I don't need to worry about this anymore. I just need to throw the ball, go through my reads, and uh, the rest will take care of itself. How Riley's elbow responds after playing an entire game is unknown, but we do know the Lions' defense was ferocious. They had three sacks and four picks on Bo Levi Mitchell. After giving up 32 points in the first half of the opener against the Riders, the Lions have allowed just 10 points in six quarters. You know, one of our biggest things that we wanted to work on was starting fast and, you know, cons being consistent with that throughout the whole game. And I feel like, you know, this was a, a real step up from where we was last weekend. You know, this defense is, is looking real scary and, you know, a lot of offenses should be watching out for us. So, you know, a lot of guys made plays and, you know, I'm proud of them. We made a commitment to to go, uh, you know, with some new guys, but we think there's a lot of upside. I've been optimistic through training camp and going into the season that these guys could do some good stuff and, um, you know, showed up tonight and made some big plays when, when we needed it. CFL tonight, Argos and Blue Bombers from Winnipeg. No Andrew Harris again for the Bombers, but... He is still injured, but uh, Winnipeg did get on the board first. Zach Kalaros, 35 yards to Rashid Bailey, and that's where it stands right now. 7-0. Blue Bombers lead late in the second quarter. The uh, Whitecaps are back at it tonight in San Jose, 7.30. You can catch the broadcast on AM 7.30. Caps are playing pretty well right now, but they would love to start turning some of those draws into wins. They have drawn four in a row, which is uh, better than a loss, I guess, but it's hard to climb the standings a point at a time. Still, there is a belief that the best is yet to come this year.
the squad is confident. You know, we look at time we look at video of what we've been doing in the last games. We look at the good and the bad things of the the last uh, eight games that allow our, our group to grow as a team, and we know that we still have to go pick up some points on the road before coming home and, and playing LAFC on the 21st. The English Premiership season kicking off today. Newly elevated Brentford taking on Arsenal. 22nd minute, Sergi Canyos' first ever Premier League goal for Brentford celebrates that. And then in the 73rd, Christian Norgard off the deep throw in. Brentwood open their Premiership season in style, beating Arsenal 2-0. Bundesliga also starting the new season today. Alfonso Davies and Bayern Munich won the last nine titles at Borussia Mönchengladbach. Byron conceded early, but late in the first half, off the corner kick. Who else? Robert Lewandowski, the second all-time scorer in Bundesliga history. That's his 277th goal. Still trails Gerd Muller by 88 for the all-time lead. It ends 1-1. And final regular season tournament on the PGA Tour, the Wyndham Championship. Players need to get into the top 125 to make the FedEx Cup playoffs, which start uh, next week. Merritt's Roger Sloan on the bubble, 133rd place. Second shot on the par five after bombing his drive. Hits it to about 20 feet. Two-putt birdie at eight birdies on the day. Got him to five under par. Then on 18, seven-footer for par. And Sloan will make it. Six under 64 today, tied for 32nd. Still alive. Adam Hadwin also five under. He's okay to make the playoffs, but Nick Taylor, who's at minus four, needs to get into the top five, just like Sloan, if he's going to extend his season. So that's that's pressure. Trying to keep your card. Winning tournaments is one thing, but trying to keep the card and live the tour lifestyle, that's one thing too. Wouldn't that be nice? I notice no highlights from Squire who's away on a golf weekend. I guess he didn't send anything in for well, uh, Oh no, he's racing back because he's gonna do the white caps tonight on these our finals. Well, no, he did say he chipped in, but he also hit his partner in his golf cart with the ball. So <laughs> that sounds, some good, some bad. That sounds like a <laughs> typical round with Squire. All right, <laughs> thanks very much, Barry. Farm to table for teenagers when we come back. As harvest season gets into full swing, some Vancouver students are learning to work the food chain from seed all the way to your plate. And along the way, they're sprouting neighborhood roots and growing into community leaders. Nitu Garcha has the story. In our meal, we have roasted potatoes. It's a food literacy curriculum unlike any other, as is the classroom. Come on, let's get started. In the kitchen, learning basic culinary skills and how to improvise. We learn how to make substitutions. We learn how to just do without certain ingredients if we don't happen to have them. These students... It's just shredding meats are among dozens from across Metro Vancouver. Excellent peeling job, excellent trimming job, and uh, looks like he's on the last one. Those are really big. Taking part in the Soil or Sustainable Opportunities Youth Leadership Program at Canada's first ever schoolyard market farm. So this is our curly kale, and then we've also got our lacinato over there. So you can feel free to make a mixed bunch. Most of the ingredients that they use are right across the street at Ventec, so it doesn't travel very far. It's immediately from the field into the plate. I've had more kale here in the past six weeks than I have in my whole life. 
funded by a nonprofit called Fresh Roots. Students are offered multiple programs, including summer youth leadership, day trips to the farm during the school year, and running a market to grow pre-employment skills. We run uh, two two markets in Vancouver, and then have a, also a weekly market in Coquitlam and Delta on the farm sites we run there. Um, and so that is uh, at the Italian Cultural Centre. Uh, four till seven every Wednesday. I feel more confident in myself and my skills, so I think it's been really helpful and very influential for me. Key insight, these students say, to be able to question the systems around them and rethink urban landscapes. I think a lot of education systems and opportunities that are provided for youth don't take place outdoors and don't have that connection to growing food and being outside. And it's hoped many of these students will come back as mentors to help plant even more seeds for the future. Our dream is really, I don't see why there couldn't be a schoolyard farm in you know every community. Oh, it's not happy. Nitu Garcha, Global News. All right, everybody, uh, keeping an eye on the weather, I think, this weekend with high winds and high temperatures as well. Yvonne, last word to you. Yeah, widespread smoke will still continue for Metro Vancouver. It may fizzle slightly and become more hazy late in the day, but still a heads up. We've got that smoke across the region. Temperatures will be into the low 30s along the coast. Areas inland in the interior, though, still getting closer to 40 degrees. We do have a slight chance, a bit more cloud cover rolling in. That reprieve on the way. It'll be late day Sunday and leading in towards our Monday. Much needed. What a relief by then. Okay, thanks very much, Yvonne. Barry, thanks for standing in. And thank you very much for watching, everyone. Hope you have a great weekend. And we'll see you back here on Monday.